I would invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I just want to read the two verses, verses 8 and 9, for us today. Be of sober spirit, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in, your, in the faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished among your brethren who are in the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for just the, the time to worship you. Lord, our hearts are full. We have been lifted up to you uh, through our music. Lord, as we focus now on your word, I pray that it would be beneficial, that it would accomplish what you would have in our lives. Lord, what a precious thing to be able to open this word and unpack its truths, knowing that it affects us on our daily lives. And we thank you for the truth and the guidance that you give us for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been studying spiritual warfare. Um, that's the spiritual battle essentially between God and Satan that is life and light and truth against deceit and death and darkness. And we have been looking at that Primarily focusing on Satan. And rightfully so. I mean, can you imagine joining the military and not being prepared? If you were joined the, the army or the navy or the air force, the marines, uh, any branch of our military in the United States, you're going to be, you're going to go through extensive training. They're going to prepare you well for battle. The, the leaders of our country are going to make sure of that. That's very important. You're going to learn how to use your weapon. You're going to know why we're going into war. We're going to um, uh, train you well for that. But can you imagine going into war and not being prepared? Not knowing how to use the weapon. Or maybe even not having a weapon at all. Um, Not knowing who the enemy is. Not knowing the objective not knowing how to fight. Well, that would be hard to do. But yet there's many pastors that are sending their people out into the world, that uh, people that are oblivious and not, not being trained uh, to spiritual warfare. And we need to know. We need to know these things. If we don't, we will just go with the flow of the course of this world, the, the cultural uh, flow that is going on. And, and, and we will be manipulated. We'll be used by the enemy. We will find ourselves on the wrong side of the battle line. And then we will uh, we'll be shooting the wrong people, shooting at the wrong people. Like the Apostle Paul. He was fighting against the church um, before the Lord got a hold of his life. And our focus has been on Satan. And we need to understand the ministry, the, uh, the, the enemy. It's right for us to, to study 
the schemes of Satan. But it's quite another thing to to understand and and study out the dynamics of spiritual battle. To to actually be in the trenches. to, to, To be being shot at by somebody that is intending to kill you. That's what we find. That's where we are. We need to feel the weight of the gear on our on our backs. We need to develop the, the skill to be able to overcome the enemy. That's what preparing for battle is. And it's not just an academic exercise. There is that. But it's it's practical training. It's developing habits. It's implementing uh, the, the tools and the, the weapons that we need to learn how to use. And it's strength training. Spiritual muscles need to be exercised. You have to be able to to understand how to use and this, have the skill to to fight with the weapons that we have. Now we've been asking questions about spiritual warfare as we've been going along, and um, and we've been looking at key passages. And I think this is one of the most important passages in the New Testament that we can find on spiritual warfare. And Peter is is sharing with us how to deal with Satan. What to do with him as our enemy. And he's wanting to train us up spiritually for spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. And before you get, before we get into the particular verses, what I want to do is, is kind of unpack or, or help us to understand a little bit about spiritual warfare. And there's a few things that we need to understand. And then we're, we're going to look more deeply into this passage. Um, what does spiritual battle look like? And we can use the, the jargon of the New Testament and prepare ourselves, but, but we, we want to have an understanding. It, it's hard for us to understand spiritual warfare. It's something that you can't see, but it's real. It's there. And it's something to be prepared for. There's a couple of things that, that we need to know. Number one is that we are in the, the, we are in the, the battle... In the enemy's territory. We live beyond, behind enemy lines. When we are born again, when we are uh, born of God, from the point of our salvation to the time we get to heaven, we are going to be in enemy territory. We're on the wrong side of the battle lines. We're going to be fighting. And then number two, the enemy is coming at us from all sides. And that's just the way it is. From the, the flesh, the world, the, the, and the devil. And sometimes all at once, and they're going to be coming at us. And if we are at peace with the devil, at peace with the world, and our own flesh, we're going to be at war against God. That's just the way spiritual warfare works. Now, first question that I want to look at then is these, these three sides that uh, Satan that uh, the enemy comes at us. What are the three sides of spiritual battle? Number one is just from the front. Satan comes at us from a, a frontal assault, but he also, number two, he'll counterfeit. The, the second part is not so much a frontal assault, but just an allure, a, a counterfeit. And his goal is to destroy the souls of men. He is, his goal is for your destruction. Now, 
He attacks from the front. Spiritual warfare. He's coming at us. It says in this passage that he seeks to devour. Someone to devour. He's searching someone to devour. Some weak soul that he can capture and take away. Christ said to Peter. Remember what he said to Peter? Peter, Satan desires to have you. He wants you. And can you imagine capturing the soul of Peter? If he could do that, what a dramatic thing. That's what Satan wants. He wants your soul. He wants, and it's a frontal attack. And he is opposed to God on every front. And in Scripture we see, we see him taking the initiative. He's bringing the warfare to God and God's church. And we, there's a, a list of things that we see in the New Testament. He is waging war against Christ and His church. He is already holds the unbeliever under His power through lies. He is, of course, telling lies and influencing others to tell lies. He's spreading lies, perpetuating lies, if you will. Whole philosophies that people buy into. He snatches away the, the truth of the gospel whenever he can. He tempts believers into sin. He deceives God's people. He takes advantage of God's people. destroys the faith of the believer. And he loves to torment God's servant. And he thwarts the progress of ministry. That's what he wants to do. And then on top of that, he, he's an accuser of the brethren. He likes to stand before God and accuse the brethren before God. And usually rightfully so. We do not deserve God's grace. And we are undeserving, but God is gracious anyway. And just to, to sum up then, Satan will attempt to destroy and deny the truth of the Word of God. He tries to discredit the testimony of God's people and cause them to sin. And Satan will depress and, and destroy the... the um, Believers' enthusiasm that we might see in ministry. And then Satan will attempt to delude the effectiveness of God's people. So no matter what we do, Satan is there and he is opposing us. A frontal assault. That's a direct attack. In fact, Paul would call it uh, fiery darts of Satan. Just, just those zingers just coming right at us. But indirectly... That's a direct assault. Indirectly, though, Satan is, is going to imitate God. He's going to counterfeit God. He's going to make an allure, an attraction to draw us away, to bring us on one side or the other. And for this, you already know the verse. We've looked at 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen to 15 that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And he does so, so that he can pull people away. Uh, we, we kind of get the false notion sometimes that, oh, oh Satan's church is in L.A., the, the church of Satan, it's kind of a popular thing. But let me tell you, that's a distraction. That's just a decoy. Or, or these little cartoon uh, uh, Satan, uh, that, that is a, a decoy. That's not Satan at all. He's much smarter than that. He knows how to handle himself. That's just big business. And that's just people trying to take advantage and market Satan himself. Now, we have to be careful. We don't know when to put on Satan's colors or Satan's jersey. We, we don't want to confuse the world with that. Um, but Satan is 
attempting to imitate God. That's the real way he works. He doesn't just have one church here and, and he, he's trying to attract everybody to his church. No. He's going to have multiple churches. He's going to appeal to as many people as he possibly can. He's going to make bad appear good. He's going to, his lies are going to be more attractive than the truth. That's the way he works. It's, it's a disguise. It's a, it's a counterfeit. It's a, a lure to draw people in. Wrong is going to look right. I like what, uh, one commentary said. He says, his spiritual counterfeit looks authentic. He looks real. It's a well-polished appearance. It's going to look good. The other day I got a, an email. And I thought it was from my bank. It had the bank logo. And, and, and it looked professional. But then you start reading it. And there's misspelled words. And just the phrasing is a little off. And you begin to realize. I begin to realize that's, that's just a counterfeit. It's just a... It's just a uh, they... they captured the logo of the bank, but it's not from the bank. And sure enough, I got an email from the bank a few hours later saying, hey, be careful with this spam email that's coming across. You've seen those things. Satan is is a master at that. He knows exactly what he's doing. He will always have his substitute and his imitation, imitation of holiness an imitation of godly living, the imitation of God's Word. It, it's, it's going to be uh, a substitute. Satan is going to... That's just the way Satan works. But make no mistake, folks, he has his real kingdom. And he has an agenda. It's the kingdom of darkness. Again, a, a subtle thing, but a very direct attack. And a very subtle attack uh, is to draw the people away. I, you see in Revelation chapter 13, verse 4, you, you read of Satan himself, and you have the beast, and you have false prophets. And some, many theologians point out, he he's, has his own trinity there. He has, of course, his own angels, we see in the Scripture, his own false church, false worship, false Christ, the Antichrist. He has his own prophets and apostles, his own teaching, his own believers. In fact, what we saw last week, that he will implant unbelievers within the church. And, and uh, these false teachers will rise up from the, among the elders of the church sometimes because of Satan. He has a false gospel, false theology, false mis, uh, mysteries and, and miracles. And he has false communion. That's the things that we see in Scripture. Now, how do we know? How, do we, how can we tell these things? I mean, Satan has this allure, and he's trapping. He has all the trappings of a glamorous religion. It feels good. It, it, uh, we, we can go in with conviction and, and confidence sometimes. But it's man-centered. And it's convenient. It's majestic sometimes. It's accepted by the world many times. It's, it's, but it's driven by the flesh. And it's just a counterfeit. He's even counterfeited Christianity. He has all the other religions of the world under his belt. And now he's counterfeiting Christianity. There's a, 
there's a, a Christianity today. It just seems so real, so so right. It has all of the jargon of true Christianity. But all he has done is taking out the heart of Christianity and, and put his own template of a religion. And it's a false. And ultimately, they're, cre- uh, they're worshiping the creature rather than the creator. And Peter tells us here in verse 8, he says to be careful or to be, be sober spirit and be watchful. Be careful. Don't enter into battle flippantly. Don't be overconfident. Don't be distracted. The, the true church, the, the true church of Jesus Christ, the true remnant, the true believer is based upon Scripture alone. Through Christ alone and faith alone and grace alone. There's an exclusion to the true believer. Now, Satan likes to incorporate, incorporate everything. And Satan is coming full frontal attack toward us. Fiery darts and deception. Deception, this lure. But to our right or to our left, we also have another enemy, and that's the world. That's, a, that's the world's system. The world's system is being controlled by Satan. In fact, the world has just joined Satan's rebellion against God. We saw that back in Genesis chapter 2. Satan's rebellion against God, and the world is rebellion against God as well. And the demons, of course, are incorporated in that, and they are manipulating and moving uh, with human agencies, we see in Genesis chapter. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter two, a verse you'll know very well. I turn to it quite often. Ephesians chapter two, verse one, and you were dead in your in your trespasses and sins. That's you. That's the believer. Were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked. You used to be in that environment, and you walked, and that was your lifestyle. You formerly walked according to the course of this world. Satan is involved in that world and he is setting the course of that world. He is leading that world according to the ruler of the power of the air. That's Satan himself. The spirit that now working is now working in the sons of disobedience. He's still working. Now we used to be a part of that world until God got a hold of our life. We're no longer a part of that world. But we used to. Now, how can we apply that? We can be very sympathetic to the world. Because we used to to be led about by Satan. We thought we were free. We thought we could just do whatever we wanted to do. I like what MacArthur says at this point. He says that we were only free to choose the sin that we wanted to choose. But we were being led about by Satan. Satan was the one who was in control of these things. And we need to keep that in mind so that when we approach the world, when we are in the world, we can be sympathetic to the world and say, you know what, we, I, was, I was with you. I, that was me. I, I was there. We can be sympathetic. We were enslaved to sin at one point, and, and so we know what it's like. But now we know the freedom of that. John gives us a description of the world in 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15, he says, do not love the world nor anything in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You you cannot love the world and love your own life too. You cannot have both. You can't hang on to both. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you, John says. And then he goes on to describe in verse 16, what's the world? What's it like? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away. So he gives us a little bit of a description there. It's the the lust of the flesh. We understand that. The the, the base desires of the heart. You know, uh, there's this impression today that we are... America is led by science. It's all science, man. Just scientific. We can prove everything. We're just being led by science. But folks, that's a ruse. And you know that. We are being not led by science. We are being led by other people's desires. And that's the way Satan works. The, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eye. It's the, 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 the greed. The, the jealousy. The, I, I want to be cool like that person's cool and those things lead us. There's also, or leads the world. And then we have the, the pride of life. That's just the arrogance um, over the circumstances of our life. And it just leads to haughtiness. It leads to, to uh, being, being proud. Trying to impress others. Let's look at the battle a little bit, though. You see, back in Ephesians chapter 6, that... Paul gives us a little bit of a, a glimpse of this battle of the of Satan and the world. In Ephesians chapter six, verse eleven, he says, "Put on the full armor of God, so that you will not be able to, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world forces of darkness." Against the spiritual forces of the wickedness in heavenly places. That's, that's what we're battling. And so in Romans chapter 12, we're told to take, uh, that we are not to con- be conformed to this world, but be renewed by the renewing of our mind. In Romans chapter 12, let me read that passage for you. It's a passage, again, you, you should know. You should know well. Paul says, Therefore I exhort you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a sacrifice, a living, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. That's our obligation, not to be conformed to this world. And we we battle this world. James also gives us a a little bit of a glimpse of this battle with the world. James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world sets himself as an enemy of God. The, The two cannot be together. You cannot hold on to the world and hang on to your life in Christ as well. It just cannot be done. The two fight against one another. But we find ourselves 
desiring the world's goods and fearing the world laughing at us sometimes. But that's what they're going to do. They're going to blame us. We're going to be misunderstood by the world. And we're going to appear to be extreme. Oh, those extreme Christians. They're not reasonable. And everybody wants to be liked. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. But we have to be very careful to not be friends with the world. There's a clear distinction between the Christian and the world. Paul says that I have been crucified to the world. So we are under attack by Satan. We're under attack by the world, the world's influence, the world's system. They want to influence us. They want us to conform to them. But that's not all. The third place that that we are under attack is even within our own hearts. And, And that's... Within our own flesh. And that's just the saddest thing. Because you would think you would be able to trust your own heart. But but you can't. And folks, this is where we really live. This is where the battle for most of us is. It's within our own hearts. Within our own minds. And just like uh, Satan in Ezekiel chapter 28 Verse 17, we looked at that passage a couple of weeks ago. He was puffed up with pride. He looked at his own beauty. He was puffed up with pride. He, he then began to, to twist the truth in his own mind and believe his own lies. And then he sought to be independent from God. That's exactly what we do. That, that's the flesh. And that flesh is, is coming against us. That flesh is fighting us. In Galatians chapter 6, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17. Paul gives us a clear picture of this. For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For they are in opposition to one another so that you do not do the things that you want. And Paul in Romans chapter 7, he clearly delineates that, doesn't he? He says, the thing that I want to do, my flesh doesn't want to do. And and there's a battle within Paul. We battle our own flesh. We don't, we don't just battle Satan, battle the world. We have to battle our own hearts. That's, that's hard. But Jonathan Edwards, he said, the smallest sin is an act of cosmic treason against the holy God. Wow. So we need to, in Scripture, what we see is we, we have to overcome the world. But the good news is, is that Christ has overcome the world. He has overcome Satan. He has overcome even our own flesh. (laughs) And that's the good news. There's victory in Jesus. We have won the battle. Ultimately, the battle is ours. But you know what? We still have to fight. Paul's struggle was real. In Romans chapter 8, he continued to battle with his own flesh. So much so, he just throws up his hands and he says, Who can... Uh, who can spare me from this body of death, he says. This, this sinful flesh. Now, I want to raise another question at this point. Where is the battlefield? Where is the battlefield? And you know the answer to that. Because this is where we live, folks. This is what we do every day. We battle against sin in our own flesh every day, in our own mind. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about the mind. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we see that Satan has blinded the mind of the unbeliever. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me read that one. There's several verses here that are so important. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. We need to understand the, the battlefield. But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind will be corrupted from the simplicity and purity of the devotion of Christ. Your mind. Folks, that's where the battlefield is. It's the mind. It's the heart of us. The heart of our own soul. It's the the place that we think. It's the place of ideas. And Satan lured Eve away. He says, uh, did God really say? And he began to question, manipulate Eve. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, just a few pages back, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, he says, so that no advantage, no manipulation, if you will, would be taken uh, taken from us by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. Our mind is involved. We are aware of his schemes. And so we're, we're alert to him. And, of course, the passage that I read earlier in Romans chapter 12 is that we are being transformed by the renewing of our what? Our mind. The Bible talks a lot about our mind because that's the place of the battle. You... Um, we have to renew our minds. In fact, that, that mind is being renewed. That, that's, that's just what we, we do. We take the Word of God and correct our thinking and renew our mind. We put off old thinking. We put on new biblical thinking. The songs that I once loved, I don't love anymore. The movies that I, I once watched, you, you go back and you watch that movie and you think, why did I like that movie so much? That movie's not that great. That movie's pretty shallow. That, that, because I have changed. I'm, that doesn't allure me anymore. I, I don't use the same words that I used to use. There's, change is needed. I have a different philosophy. The world doesn't appeal to me anymore. Because we are working on the mind and changing the mind. Now, if we are going to overcome Satan, it's going to be in the mind. If we're going to overcome the world, it's going to be in the mind. Peter and the apostles, when they stood against uh, the Sanhedrin and stood against the the leaders, they stood with conviction of mind. They were well informed. When Luther stood, he said, here am I. He stood up against the Roman Catholic Church and he said, here I stand, I can do no more. And that that was conviction of the mind. And folks, that's what we need. Conviction. Conviction. And that conviction is going to be developed within the inner person, the inner, the mind. And that is so important that we understand that. Now, why the mind? Why the why why is the mind the the battle battle front? Because that's where sin resides. That's where sin lives. Jeremiah 17, we know the heart is deceitful above all, desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Who can? But that's where we battle. That's where we battle. Because sin is there. Number two, um, we battle in the mind because that's where our weapons are. 
That's where Scripture comes in and enters our heart and our mind. And we battle with, with, uh, against sin with verses, Scripture verses. It's where our weapons and our ammunition is. But also, that's where the real Carl Dingus is. That, that's where we really live. It's not about the flesh and blood. You hear from Paul say that quite a bit. It's, it's within us. It's within the heart, the, the thinking, the mind, the belief system, the, the inner man. And the real Carl Dingus loves righteousness, but he, he battles this fleshly body. The, the body has developed habits of thinking and habits of living, habits of, of uh, just sinful habits that are fighting against the, the righteous mind. Solomon said, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, he said, For as he, as a man thinks in his, himself, in his own heart, so he is. That's the real person. That's the real person. He's a spiritual being. In Proverbs chapter 28, or 27 verse 19, he says, As, as water, as in water face reflects, reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. You want to know what you really are like? You look at the person's heart. That's the real person. That's why Christ said you, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your being. Who, who one is on the inside determines who he is on the outside. That's going to reflect. That's going to, to come out. And that's why we battle within the mind. That's why Satan is attacking the mind. And want, wanting you to question. Because he wants your soul. He wants your heart. He wants that mind. He wants that mind for all eternity in hell with him. And I, what MacArthur said, he said, uh, Satan's chief activity is the li- in the life of the Christian is to cause them to think contrary to the Word of God and to act disobedient to the will of God. That's exactly right. If he, can, if he can control our thinking, the way we think, He can control, and the Word of God in our life, He can control our, our actions. They're just going to come forth. Thomas Watson, that great Puritan, he says, this is Satan's masterpiece. If he can but keep them in believing the truth, keep them from believing the truth, he is sure to keep them from obeying it. That is so true, folks. The battle was, is within the mind. Now, let me begin to apply this a little bit. Number one, the battle then, if it's in our mind and in our thinking, if it's a battle for the souls of, of, of people, then the battle is not really in Washington, D.C. It's not with the House. It's not with the Senate. It's not really in the battle in the ballot box. It's not really the school board meetings. Now those things are important. Don't get me wrong. But the battle, folks, is within the mind. The mind is the battlefield. Number two, folks, believers will never stop Satan leading this world. Satan was appointed the god of this world, the ruler of this world, by God. Satan was appointed that position by God. We're not going to be able to stop that. 
all we can do, all we can do is influence. All we can do is present the gospel. Continue to pursue the gospel and the things of, of God. And to influence the world. That's what we have. Another thing that we need to, to keep in mind. If we are not battling, then we're losing ground. If we're not battling within our own mind, if we're not battling Satan, the world, the influence of the world, and our flesh, then, folks, then we're just going with the current of society. Whatever culture dictates, then that's what we're going to do. And I'm so afraid that so many Christians are there doing that. Now, let's go back to our passage. What do we do about this? Just quickly, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be of sober spirit and be watchful. We'll pull those two together. What do we do here? What do we do? Let me give you some key words. He says, be sober. That's just don't be intoxicated. Don't be pulled away, intoxicated by the world. Essentially, it just means be self in self-control. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul says to set your mind on the things above. Just by way of application. Set our mind. That, that means not just our mind mentally, but where our mind is, that's where our heart's going to be. That's where our, our focus is going to be. That's where our affections are going to be. So we set our affections upon God. Number two, we abstain from fleshly lust. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Abstain. Key word. Control ourselves. Number three is we guard. Be on guard so that your heart will not be overcome by dissipation and drunkenness, Christ said. So guard your heart. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We've seen this verse several times today, but we have to renew our minds. We have to think differently. Change our mind. The, the influence of the world has to be stronger than the influence, or the influence of the Word of God must be stronger than the influence of the Word or the world outside. And then number five, we have to discipline ourselves. Make, make no provision for the flesh. One I want to turn to is 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Because we, we have looked at this before, Second Corinthians chapter 10, just another application. Verse 5, he says, as we tear down speculation, we dismantle, folks, other worldviews. And we need to do that. Think through, why is this wrong? Why is this wrong? We dismantle speculations, he says, and every lofty thing that rises up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive. We dismantle all of the other uh, philosophies out there and we mantle, we, we pull together the, the truth. Another one is James chapter 4. Is we do not become friends with the world. If we are friends with the world, we're enemies of God. So don't be lured away. And then lastly, Paul gives us a list of things to think about. He says to dwell on these things. Think about these things. It's, it's controlling our mind. Controlling our mind. And then the last word that Peter uses here is just be watchful. Be watchful. And the place that that was used is when Christ was 
uh, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he, before he was uh, put on the cross. Peter, James, and John were with him. And, and remember, he warned them at that time. He warned specifically to Peter. Peter, be watchful. Pray. And Peter was not. Peter fell asleep. He was not prepared for that spiritual battle. Folks, we have to arm ourselves. Not just throw a few Bible verses, but we arm ourselves. We have to understand the whole of Scripture. We have to understand offensively and defensive posture so that we can fight. We have to be aware that there's a spiritual battle going on. And we're we're in enemy territory and we're being attacked. We should never go into battle without being prepared. And we can be well prepared. Scripture prepares us well for these things. God has not left us to just fight on our own. He prepares His people. But let me give you some encouragement. Remember that victory is in Christ. He has overcome Satan. He has overcome this world. He has overcome. He is stronger than even our flesh. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for these words. Just thank you for just allowing us to, to think through this battle that we are in. And just the reality of that. And Lord, there are things that we cannot control. But there are things that we can control. And, and Lord, I pray that we would consume the word of God. That we would be well prepared, well stocked with ammunition and weapons that we can use against Satan. Lord, help us to not be lured away by Satan and enticed by this world. Help us to guard ourselves from these things. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.